Welcome to the Crystal Caputo Show, a space where we'll catch up with business leaders, community builders, and politicians to explore the issues that affect us most. Hi, everybody. So before I introduce my next guest, who I know you guys are all going to love, I just want to thank you for your patience as I learn the audio ins and outs. This week, I'm speaking with Jessica Potts. She is a speaker, trainer, strategist, and coach who helps leaders build their dream team and live their best day every day. With expertise in human soft skills development, including talent, trust, and teams, Jess helps people get on the same page and get things done. She leverages her qualifications as a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and Loomis Certified Facilitator in her role as president of Inspired Strategy Group, Inc., Her approach is rooted in positive psychology and strength-based development, maximizing potential by encouraging people to become great at what they're naturally good at. She's a mom to great kids and a 120-pound Great Dane who thinks it's a lapdog. She's a self-proclaimed French fry connoisseur, which we will dig into a bit, and she will always find a subtle way to tell you if you have something in your teeth. So something else I want to point out about Jessica is that she's a fundraising powerhouse. She has helped raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to give back directly to her community. And we dig into it a little bit at the end and she's super humble about it, but I have to give her props because I think what she does in that regard is absolutely amazing. Anyway, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jessica. Welcome, Jessica Potts. I'm so excited to have you on today. I gave you a very long intro and covered a lot of stuff. How are you doing today? You know, today is a great day in a very weird time. <laughs> so what? why was today great? I mean, you're always in a great mood. I know that about you and everybody knows that about you, but why was today great? Well, you know, like many people, I've really struggled with the adjustment of the last few weeks as we sort of lived through this COVID crisis. Um, but today, I got the opportunity to sort of step back in the saddle and host uh, a team building session this morning virtually, and it was uh, it just lit me up. It made me feel alive again. Good. I'm very excited because I need you very alive for the conversation we're going to have because it's super important. But before we dive into that, I've stated that you're a French fry connoisseur, so I have to naturally ask, what is the best French fry? Well, okay, so we need to qualify this. For me, I like a, a thin-cut, crispy French fry. So, uh, you know, it really depends on on, uh, on what uh, you're into. But for me, I have been a big fan of the French fries at the St. Catherine's Club in downtown St. Catherine's for quite a while. Uh, yes, they are delicious French fries. But I have to say I prefer their salad, no fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and those sound like McDonald's french fries, which like I totally am not saying that the St. Catherine's Club has McDonald's french fries, but your style of fries sounds like McDonald's french fries. The, the style of fry. Yeah, although I do love a good uh, fresh cut fry, but they tend to be a little bit thicker and, and less able to be crispy. Crispy is the, the ultimate here. Okay, we got it. Crisp, no soggy, floppy fries. So <laughs> you, so I don't want to spend like a ton of time on COVID because I know it's super relevant right now. But what I'm more interested in and why I want to talk to you today is because you have a really unique lens on the role that leadership is going to play into this. And as we transition, and I've spoken about this before, if we look at it in terms of a story, we're getting to the point in the arc where we're looking for hope and we're looking for a path forward and we're looking to our leaders to provide that path and that's kind of like your jam so I was hoping we could talk a little bit about leadership and the role it's playing 
and what needs to happen. Well, yeah, thank you. I uh, I love the topic, and um, I, I wanted to talk about uh, the four basic needs of a follower, but I need to give some background first on, on how we got here and, and what the research has been done behind this. Um, so you know about Gallup, and uh, many of your listeners will know about Gallup. They're best known for their opinion polls, but they have a huge body of work around human behavior, particularly uh, as it pertains to leadership and employee engagement. And so what they found is that more than half readers surveyed rated themselves as above average leaders. Now, statistically, you can see the, the problem here in that more than half of leaders can't be above average leaders. So they started to wonder, maybe the trick here isn't in asking the leaders. Maybe we need to ask the followers what it is that they need. So they've asked more than 10,000 followers and they've broken it down into four basic needs that all followers have from their leaders. So those are trust, stability, compassion, and hope. Love it. So are you good to sort of dive into each one and discuss each one? And then we can apply it to whatever's happening now, moving forward, whatever we, wherever we go. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think that uh, when if, if we start with um, talking about trust and stability, and I think right now uh, stability more important than ever in truly in our generation's history. We're looking at the collapse of economies. Uh, you know, we've been plummeted into a recession basically overnight. And uh, I really applaud, particularly the Canadian government, for stepping up and supporting people the way that they have financially with stability. So, you know, across party lines, they've made this about people and uh, they've got the data to support that. Business owners, we've seen business owners designing and implementing continuity plans that will keep their workforce stable. Um, consumers have done their part, stepping up to buy gift certificates for hairdressers, for restaurants, for gyms, by continuing their membership or, or doing things like that. So when we talk about stability, those are sort of what it means. And, that, and those are some great examples of how we're seeing stability in leadership. And, and you'll notice that my example was government, business owners, right down to consumers, because I believe that everybody has the opportunity to be a leader. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm hopeful that this has given everybody sort of a pause to say can I step up how can I step in and I really saw it especially at the beginning that there was a big rally especially around smaller businesses to try and get them over the hump because we don't want to lose them on the other side of this right and that's a real concern and the longer this goes on the longer that that's going to be a concern so I I think you're right everybody does have the ability to be a leader and I think it's shone a light on a lot of great leaders, particularly in Ontario, that I've noticed. So I agree. I love that. And what we would see really in those leaders, these leaders that are stepping up right now, is that foundationally they have to have had some base of trust um, with whether it's with their constituency, with the public, um, whether it's a, a small business leader. The, the, that other thing that followers are really looking for in, in the first tier of, of the foundation is trust. And so we know trust in, in a number of different ways. We often think about trust in the transactional way or, or predictability-based trust, meaning that you, you do what you say you're going to do. And, and that's a really important piece. But there's also this other layer uh, that uh, Patrick Lencioni talks about, the, who's best known as the author of Five Dysfunctions of a Team or The Advantage. And he talks about vulnerability-based trust. 
where we acknowledge that it's okay to make mistakes and admit it when we make them. So that vulnerability-based trust actually helps endear us more to leaders. It doesn't make us look down on them. We realize that they're human and the fact that they can acknowledge a mistake and move on without the hyperbole and rhetoric as we see sometimes maybe in the border, it really lends itself well to positive leadership. Yes, I love that. And trust is really huge. There's so many different sources of information coming at everybody right now. And I have to say, for one, that I am incredibly proud of the work that our premier has done. And he's really like gets down and gets it and explains things to people. And I think he's been incredibly transparent. And to your point, yep, there's going to be mistakes made. It's at the expense of acting promptly. You act what is in the best interest at the time with the data set you have. And it's never going to be perfect, but it's a step in the right direction. And there's room for correction later. And I love that idea of that actually building in trust that vulnerability piece you know I'm a huge fan of that well maybe not a huge fan of it but I'm trying to be good at it I'm a fan of the concept yes so yeah I love that I think that's great and I think we're seeing it like live and in action and really good case study right now uh, yeah very well said a case study and I, I loved your two points about um, being able to balance um, acting promptly with um, being transparent. I think that the two have gone hand in hand, that um, we as, as citizens will respect our leaders as long as they're being transparent, um, knowing that they're, they're rushing these programs to market, so to speak, or rushing them to rushing these aid packages. Um, there will be mistakes. They've acknowledged there will be people that fall through the cracks, but, but don't try to take advantage of the system. So I think that the messaging has been um, really well put together and, and we're seeing less I mean, of course, there's still um, skeptics and cynics, but we're seeing uh, less, I find, uh, as a general commentary of people, uh, less criticism and cynicism than we might normally in in a a very polarizing issue. Yep. Totally agree. Shall we move on to the second piece? All right. Well, once we've got, as a leader, once you've got trust and stability in place, kind of as those foundational things, uh, people need something to look forward to, and, and that, that's where hope comes in. You know, we, we often expect the leaders to set the vision for, for a company or set the vision for, you know, in, in this case, what, what the outcome of the crisis is. And, and you know, I, I love the modeling that uh, has been done, you know, recently the, the government released, um, this is what could have happened if we hadn't done these past few weeks of self-isolation measures. So this is what is happening. This is the data that we currently have, but this is what our same model tells us could have happened. And so it's giving people hope. It's, it's you know, staving away that, that cynicism and blame, uh, which Stephen Covey says is the opposite of hope. Hope breeds commitment as well. So when we give, uh, you know, as, as our political leaders have done, or local leaders have done, uh, when we give people hope, it helps us to commit to a massive lifestyle change like the one that we're going through right now. So really giving people something to look forward to and the way that they've tiered their messaging, I think, has also uh, lent itself well to maintaining hope. Yeah, I I agree with you as far as releasing that modeling, that it really gives people like a tangible look at what the different outcomes would be based on people's actions. I'm not entirely convinced that we're in a position 
municipally, provincially, federally to start really seeing what that hope looks like because as far as like long term how things are going to pan out because there's a lot of factors that need to go into developing that sort of thing and I know that I'm looking forward to seeing the strategy moving forward because it's great and you know you're you're a positive Pete. I'm a positive Pete. We're pretty happy people. <laughs> but I think it's also really important for everybody to see what that path forward is. A, to build the resilience to be able to keep doing what we're doing, which is staying home, which is like I'm on week five. So I can just imagine if everybody's kind of getting a little antsy and we're ready to start unrolling that message of hope. So my hope is that they are putting together and they I mean governments are putting together um, a vision that we can sort of start digesting because everybody's talking about the new normal but they really need to set that path very clearly because there's a lot of fear there's a lot of bankruptcies and it's I'm not trying to be negative about it but yeah like the hope piece is going to be so 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 important to get right when we move forward well, it, it's so important because really uh, what we're looking at here in this current uh, global crisis, but also just generally in, in workplaces and, and other places where uh, leadership prevails, is that leadership is really an exercise in behavioral control or behavioral influence. Uh, we're really trying to adjust right now as, as individuals, we're trying to adjust to this lifestyle, but as, as leaders, they're trying to predict what our behavior will be. And I, I'll be very interested to see what happens when the weather starts to get nicer and people really start to want to get out more. How will they control the messaging um, and provide that hope that people need to understand that my actions are valuable, my actions do have worth and do contribute to this larger vision, which is the return to normal or the new normal, as, as you've said. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. But people have been pretty good. Like I haven't had any experiences where, I mean, you can tell some people aren't necessarily like on board with it, but they're still respecting that other people are on board with it, which is hopeful for me, I guess. Um, I've really felt like I've been living in a bubble and wondering, is everyone else doing this too? <laughs> is everyone else feeling that, that it's in the bubble or are some people, you know, not uh, abiding by, not living through what, what the rest of us are living through, not pulling their weight as a, as a society? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's where, you know, the compassion side comes in. So the fourth uh, basic need of a follower, we talked about trust, stability, hope, and compassion. And, and this is one that's often... Um, you know, undervalued or, or underrated uh, when it comes to leadership. Uh, and, and also important to understand the difference between compassion and kindness. Compassion, by definition, is born of suffering. So certainly we are in a, a time that qualifies for uh, compassion and needing compassion. And as a leader, it means people have to know that you care. And so I think that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, our, our provincial leader um, has done a great job in showing that this is about preventing death. The, the, you know, this, these are what the numbers are, and this is this is what that says. So, really putting people first and knowing that that you care. And one of my favorite examples that I've seen in this uh, COVID crisis has been a local business owner. He's got 40 people on his staff. Um, the technology required in, in their industry, without revealing too much, um, really means that they have to be in the same building. They're they're very much reliant on on bricks and mortar. Wait, why can't you tell me who it is? <laughs> we can give them a plug. Oh, it's a, it's one of your clients. 
I'm actually going to reveal some details about what this particular business owner did that um, that they wish to be kept quiet. So okay. um, there's been a lot of compassion and kindness shown, but this isn't something that uh, somebody's looking for credit for. So that's uh, normally I would I would be very happy to brag on, on someone, but this is a kind of a special case. <laughs> so, but what this person did was by um, putting together this continuity plan, they started to prioritize work from home arrangements based on compassion, not on technology or on the function of, of the individual. They looked at who's at risk, who is feeling scared, um, and who uh, you know really feels vulnerable. And so they started to prioritize getting those people at, at a significant cost with them because of the industry and the technology needed. Uh, the boss himself even gave up his corner office so that the, the people who had more challenging work from home roles felt secure in the interim during the transition. Wow. Uh, then that same person, sent every member of their team a gift card for a free meal to be ordered to home. So, isn't that incredible? When we talk about compassion, there there isn't a story that I've heard where somebody has uh, gone out of pocket from both their business and and, and themselves to provide um, you know stability, hope uh, through this act of compassion. Uh, so that warms my heart. Do you have any other examples that are maybe not COVID related that you can talk about seeing compassion in the workforce and how that sort of translates to a better performing workforce with a strong leadership? Yeah, actually, uh, funny because it's the exact same employer who has a, a, a working model that they use for the um, parent with child. Uh, an example of compassion, uh, again, in the exact same workplace is that bosses have put into place an employment arrangement where they can work starting half an hour after the child goes to school and their workday ends half an hour before the child needs to be picked up and they get vacation that aligns with the school schedule and I believe in this case they get the two months off in the summer or or there's a, a special concession for the summer. So when you, when you think about compassion and again, um, people have to know that you care. So one of the reasons I started my own business was because my workplace arrangement didn't align with my family values. It, it, and so I kind of felt forced to find my own arrangement that would work and, and let me balance being a mom and having a career. So when I hear about places like this, I think, wow, I would have stayed. <laughs> yeah, I know. You and I have had the like, very, very similar like life trajectories with that whole work balance thing and and I think that's amazing and that's actually one of the silver linings I'm really hopeful like sticks after this is that people have flexibility and you don't need to be in an office from nine to five people you don't have to do it there are other ways so I love that these employers are proactively facilitating this for people that's amazing well, and there's a business case for it too, because the cost of losing and replacing and recruiting and retaining um, employees is huge. We, you know, we mm-hmm. know that the, the stats are out there. Something between five and ten thousand dollars in uh, direct costs and in time costs to um, get that new person hired and then onboarded and, and up to speed. So to be able to retain staff members uh, just by showing that you care seems like a pretty great thing to do and it's free that's the best part <laughs> yes. showing that you care is is free it can come in simple words it can come in feedback it can come in uh, just really great communication food for thought thank, yes, you. thank you okay i'm really excited that we got to talk about all that leadership stuff because you know i love it and you're amazing at it those things so thank you 
What I want to talk about now, and this wasn't in your bio, but it's really important and I want to bring it up, is community building. And you do a ton of great work in and around the community and you're actually one of like the most community-minded people I've ever known in my entire life. Talk to me about some of the stuff that you're doing. Oh boy. Um, wow, what a question. Yeah, a lot of community stuff is, is in flux at this moment, at the time of this taping, because a lot of things involve gathering people. Um, yeah. Both both my business and my community involvement in, in, uh, include gathering people. And so right now, really what we're seeing, and I'll speak to the broader meeting industry or gathering industry, is that a lot of different uh, initiatives are being put off an entire year so if it was taking place scheduled to take place in the springtime then rather than bumping it to the fall and then trying to get back onto a regular schedule next spring they're just skipping a year and so we're uh, right now my community involvement is currently evaluating which option uh, is going to work, work for us um, but I will take the opportunity to promote the great work of the Niagara Children's Center, who uh, has special fundraising in May, where uh, I am an ambassador. So uh, they do some really great work for children and families all across Niagara. And you know, I I love all community initiatives, but I want to support the ones that are right here in my backyard. Yeah, they're absolutely amazing. And since you're not going to bring it up, because for some reason, maybe I think you think it's going to be like a humble brag, I'll do it for you. Um, I absolutely love Hats and Horses. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's cool. Can you talk about what that is? I got moved, the Kentucky Derby got moved to September. Is that right? Yes. Or we're like, I know we're probably in flux, but talk to me about this. Talk, Talk to me about it because it's really cool. Well, Hats and Horses is Niagara's uh, version, Niagara Spin, on the Kentucky Derby. So it's uh, if you know about the Kentucky Derby, then you know that it's a bold, bright, pa- brightly clothed fashion event um, that races horses. Now, what's really interesting as we talk about rescheduling uh, meetings is that the Kentucky Derby can't postpone too much because by definition, the horses that run in the Kentucky Derby have to be three years old. So, uh, so that, that's why they've currently rescheduled it to September, and we kind of suspect that it'll run no matter what, whether or not they have an audience. But uh, it may not be the same without all the pomp and circumstance. That's <laughs> the best part. <laughs> right? Exactly. That's the best Hats, part. Hats, so. juleps. I'm so here for it. You know it. I love it. But yeah, like, I hope that regardless, I mean – Gosh, that feels like a lifetime away. I know it's going to be here in a blip. I will put a link in the show notes because it's a really cool event. And no matter what you guys end up doing as far as the fundraising angle, I think that if people, if it doesn't pan out this year for gathering purposes or whatever, and next year, like 100% check it out because it's beautiful. It's right giving back into our own community, which is amazing. And it's fun. And you get an excuse to go out and buy like fancy hat and dress and nobody can be mad at you because it's for charity. So how about that? <laughs> or you can make your own hat, as many people have been doing lately. Oh my gosh, for real? Yeah, and funny enough, I ordered my dress online for this year's event, and it just arrived today. Ah, um, because so. I know I feel like I feel like my clothes are getting sad in the closet. <laughs> right? I know. That's that's exactly. We all need an excuse to to dress up, and we all need something to look forward to, something to have hope for. Yes, circling right back to hope. I love it. Okay, good. I'm glad we chatted about that. 
So there's one thing that I'm kind of doing with all of my guests and it's totally selfish because I geek out over quotes and advice and I just internalize that stuff and eat it up. So I would like to know if you have maybe a quote or a piece of advice that you would like to share with us. I do have a quote actually right here in my pocket and uh, uh, it's been funny to watch again from a behavioral standpoint and funny and, and very interesting to watch how society as a whole is reacting. And I know that um, personally I kind of fumbled through things for the first couple weeks and then there was a glimmer of hope last week and I kind of felt like I got some of my mojo back and then this week started struggling with boredom. <laughs> so yeah. um, talking to some friends who uh, were talking about feeling tired, feeling exhausted, um, not understanding how we can't do all the things that we used to do and, and you know, in spite of cutting our, our workloads or our, our, our productivity down, why we still feel so exhausted. And I found myself saying, well, boredom is exhausting. And, and then uh, got some pushback from, from a friend, and I said, this is what I really mean. So here's the quote. We often feel tired, not because you've done too much, but because you've done too little of what sparks a light in you. And Yay. so I feel like right, right now, here we are living this, um, the circumstance where we're not able to shine our light as brightly as we've been used to doing. So I, I love that quote, especially for how timely it is uh, as we all shift through our realities with days feeling like weeks and weeks feeling like months. We maybe don't feel tired because we've done too much or we're not enough, but because we haven't done enough of what sparks the light in us. So the importance of finding purpose and meaning, um, they actually say that the sixth stage of grief is finding meaning. So we all have to do something find meaning in this very unusual time yes and I love that and I couldn't agree more because on days like today where I know I'm going to be recording and um, on days when I know I have writing assignments or even whatever it is research whatever it's just it adds that extra it's almost self-care at least for me to be able to dive into that stuff because I'm so passionate about it and I like I love it so much so when those things aren't happening and I think that maybe that with that first couple weeks you're talking about when we were all kind of like fumbling to find a way and we're starting to get more of a schedule now and prioritizing things that bring you joy I'm so glad that you said that because that's what my spouse said to me the other day I had three projects and time and I needed to choose which of these projects I was going to commit the time to and he said honestly stop thinking about it and just do the one that feels the best the one that's going to spark joy for you because that's the one that you're going to do the best and so again it relates right back to leadership and engagement and human behavior do what you love and it won't feel like work do what you love and it'll keep you energized yes i could not possibly agree with you more and that feels like a pretty good place to stop is there anything else you want to add that we didn't get to any asks you have no thank you so much for having me i'm so grateful thank you for helping me come alive today Okay, thank you. I'm going to shut it off now.